0: Sunday, February 18, 2024. I'm Anthony Davis. Welcome to The Weekend Show, where we make the time to consider the news of the week. You can support my work and independent journalism at patreon.com slash 5-Minute News. Our guest today is the LA Times bestselling author of the novels Totally Killer, Father Mucker and Empress, as well as 2018's Dirty Rubles, An Introduction to Trump, Russia, which Salon called Required Reading for All Americans. He hosts the podcast Prevail and has a substack with the same name and a YouTube show called The 5-8. Greg Oliar, welcome to The Weekend Show.
1: Thanks for having me. It's great to be here.
0: So it's kind of timely that you're on, Greg, because the, uh, the kind of Russia conversation is very much back in the news. And we should probably start by making mention of the death of Alexei Navalny, who... It seems on, on Friday was potentially killed by Vladimir Putin in, a, in a, a Russian prison, a Siberian high security prison. They said he collapsed whilst on a walk. Um, obviously, that's highly unlikely as there's a video out of him being quite jovial from just the day before. And, and I, we'll, we'll park that and get to it because I think that the story of where we're going to go with Trump and Russia and the relationship. Probably, you know, that's probably the ending of of this story, isn't it? You know, killing of one's political opponents, which I'm starting to be concerned is actually Donald Trump's favoured way of dealing with domestic uh, opponents. He called recently for complete immunity for him and all presidents. How, How did you feel when you saw that post on Truth Social?
1: Well, I mean, he's, you know, he's going to say what he's going to say. And of course he wants full immunity. He's a criminal. He's been a criminal for his entire life. He's a, a second generation, you know, mob money laundering guy. Uh, so I think the whole reason he wants to be president and wanted to be president in the first place was to get away with his crimes. So, you know, for him to say that I have immunity, it's, it, it reminds me of, of, um, when I used to play with my brother, like at the swimming pool when I was a little kid and I'd be like, I'm going to hit you with the heat ray. And he would be like, I'm hitting you with the ice ray. And I'm like, but I'm everything proof. You know, whoever yeah. got to everything proof won. Right. Uh, you know, and Trump's trying to say, like, I'm everything proof. And um, he's not. He's not everything proof. Also, if presidents don't are, are immune to all crimes always, then Biden can just go around and do whatever he wants. Right. So that doesn't behove Trump either. But, you know, logic has never been his strong
0: suit. Trump has denied any involvement with Russia from, you know, the very beginning. No collusion. Famously, he called after the the, the Mueller report. The Mueller report, to all intents and purposes, said that there was a relationship between the the, the Trump campaign and, and and Russia, despite his, you know, claim of denial. And of course, we 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 know how that played out. But really, the the, the links to Russia and this kind of adoration that Donald Trump has for Vladimir Putin it's becoming more and more explicit isn't it it's like he can't really deny when he's like russia 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 he he really can't deny that there are significant connections there
1: i mean he he can deny and he will deny but i, I from where i sit this was obvious in in you know the first time around hillary clinton said he was putin's puppet in what the second debate in 2016 yeah. october 2016 and as usual, she was right. Um, this guy has been rushed up since at least the 80s, uh, the early 80s. If you go by Craig Unger's book, um, uh, the new book that he put out, that has has Trump, you know, dealing with with the guy that owned the TV store in, in New York City. in, I think 82, um, he was selling condos in Trump Tower to you know people with connections to the Russian mafia and organized crime in 84, 85. He was the only person in New York that would accept, uh, you know, these shadowy deals. So people bought into his, his, uh, Trump Tower there. I mean, lots of Russians lived at Trump Tower when, when Semyon Mogilevich sent, uh, Ivankov, one of his top lieutenants to the United States, um, you know, to just take over the operations here, the mob operations. Uh, the FBI couldn't find him for a while. And then he turned up at the Taj Mahal, the Trump Taj Mahal, um, he visited the Soviet Union with Ivana in, I think, 87. Before he visited there, he had never really expressed any interest in running for office or anything like that. As soon as he came back in 88, suddenly he was interested in running for office. Um, and I, Roger Stone, I believe, worked with him even back then to try to cultivate this thing. And in 88, he tried a, a run. It lasted like a couple of days and, you know, it, it failed. Um, so he's been dealing with the russians for all this time I, I think eric i forget if it was eric or donald saying in the lead up to the 16 uh election you know lots of our business comes from russia i mean he was in moscow for the um the beauty pageant thing where he stayed famously at the uh, ritz carlton and the presidential suite where something may, untoward may have happened, depending yes, on this is the
0: this is the the compromise, the PP tape, yeah, which yeah, the which, hopefully you know, we, is, we will never see.
1: If well, you know, if this was a TV show, and I like to think about it sometimes for my own sanity, as a TV <laughs> yeah. show, we're in what this is season eight now. When we get to the end of the TV show, the Trump TV show, if it were a TV show, we would have to see the PP tape. That's yeah. how it would have to end, I think, dramatically um but you're right yeah i don't even know if it exists it doesn't matter if it exists i think in some sense people jumped on that in a uh, that whole dossier was not meant to be seen by anybody other than the people it was written for and it was pretty clear in the dossier itself that he was writing down rumors that were not necessarily substantiated just to you know tell everybody everything that he learned or heard um and the media of course failed to understand that even though it was explicitly stated so
0: that was the christopher uh, Steele dossier which was mm -hmm. uh and he was a a british agent
1: yes yes uh he he worked the moscow desk for mi6 for a year you know so he's very well connected there or was um and even he had some sort of thing with ivanka trump like it it, so there's lots of strange things but um you know in the lead into the campaign i mean in 2016 2015 2016 there's lots and lots of times when trump's inner circle members met with high up um figures who were close to putin or the kremlin or whatever um i wrote dirty rubles in 2018 it's now it's out of date now because i wrote it for then but the the stuff that i list in there is all stuff that happened you know the uh he really did have that have um the speech at the mayflower hotel in may or april or whatever it was that uh, Kushner and Kissinger helped arrange with Dimitri Symes, uh, who, you know, was a guy who turned out to m- probably be a just straight up Russian spy. I mean, he he spent a lot of time talking to Mueller. And as soon as he was done talking to Mueller, he went back to Russia and uh, is now hosting a pro Putin game show. So take it what you will. I don't <laughs> want to accuse the guy of being, uh, you know, what side he's on. But his his subsequent activities suggest, you know, that he's maybe not on our side. Um, and then there's, there's just lots of other examples of times when somebody in Trump's camp met with somebody in, in Putin's camp and he was so explicit about it. Remember, Hey Russia, if you're listening, um, that all this stuff that came out when he tweeted that, that was the day of the Trump tower meeting, uh, which, you know, even I forgot about at this point, if anybody else yeah. had done this, this would be it would have been done. It would have been over yeah. the, the, um, the Trump yeah.
0: tower meeting for those who forget was they met, uh, a female Russian agent, it turns out, about supposedly about adoption. Yes, uh, which ties into
1: Navalny, by the way, and all of yeah. that. And, and, and um, what's his name? The, um, the businessman, uh, Browder, Bill Browder. Right. Um, so, yeah, Natalia Veselnitskaya and other people who were clearly, you know, had the, had the direct line to the Kremlin uh, basically sent Junior an email saying, hey, dirt on Hillary Clinton, you interested? And they were like, great. Yeah. come on over. And, yeah. uh, it, the media tends to portray that as Don Jr.'s meeting, but like Kushner was there, Paul Manafort was there, Manafort, who had spent lots of time in Ukraine and hung out with these, you know, Oleg Deripozzi, like owed Oleg Deripaska money, which I can't even imagine like a worse predicament for someone to be in. So he knew it's not like he didn't know what was going on, you know? And, uh, from that moment on, he comes out and Trump tweets about these missing emails, and then it's off to the races. So yeah. uh, there was, I think Roger Stone was or D- Junior also was like DMing with that Guccifer two point um, Sessions, Jeff Sessions met with somebody, you know, and and Mueller investigated this, and some of these people got not only indicted but convicted of the of these yeah. things. So yeah. it's not like we're making this up. They they like to take the word collusion. They don't like that word. They, they they and and just make it all about collusion which is a word that has a very specific legal definition uh which is you know it, they did not technically legally collude in the way that you know the major league baseball colluded to make sure that Andre Dawson didn't sign a contract in 1985 or whatever year that was uh, that was collusion this was you know coordination maybe uh and you know working together in some seen or unforeseen way and just to be clear also It is not normal for um, incoming, for people running for president and their staffs to meet with any foreign country, let alone the one that's been our enemy. This is where I would have sworn, Anthony, right there, our (laughs) enemy uh, for what, since 1945? You know, uh, with maybe a very brief uh, hiatus during the Yeltsin era, maybe for like an hour and a half. I don't know. So... For Trump to go on and on about there's no collusion or there's no whatever, you're still rushing it up, dude. Russia was helping him.
0: But it's projection, isn't it? I mean, when when Trump says no collusion, he means loads of collusion. <laughs> and 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 this is, you know, you might as well just take everything he says and reverse it, and you'll you'll get your answer. Yeah. But yeah. what does this say about the U.S.'s lack of background checks on potential candidates for for president? Because arguably, if he was security checked he he would not have got clearance
1: well I, I I think that's a slippery slope, honestly. I know people want that. they want like psychological evaluations they want security checks. I feel like um that can be abused more than it's probably going to come in handy. and the security check is the election. That's the security check. The American people are supposed to decide whether or not this guy is is okay is on the up and up, right so in a sense, it was a big media fail. The media tried to, you know, with their both sides, which is Kremlin BS, right? Yeah. Uh, they are the ones that sort of equated Hillary's sending an email about some recipe uh, or, or whatever to the stuff that Trump was doing with, with the rush. Like he, he stood on stage and asked Russia for help. Like I don't mm-hmm. like he did that. Yeah. And the idea that they're the same thing even remotely is, is ridiculous. And you know, one of the things that I learned at that time, because as you said in my bio, I'm like, you know, I was at one time a novelist writing fiction stuff and and uh, occasionally arts essays and, you know, political essays here and there. Um, I, I threw in with this because it's not it. You almost have to have a novelist brain or process power to see all the pieces like, um, you know. Paul, something happens with Paul Manafort and it, it appears on in one section of the paper. And then Jared, I mean, not Jared, Don Jr. gets divorced and that's in a different part of the paper. And then months later, this. Ha- so it's how do you even keep track of all these people and who they are and who knows who? And uh, it, it's, it's just very difficult.
0: Um, but doesn't but that there- contradict the theory that it's the it's the voters that do the due diligence on candidates? Because. You know, let's be clear that the, the stuff that we're talking about, even the Trump Tower meeting, which has been widely covered. In fact, there was a very good drama, uh, on Showtime, I think called the Comey Rule. Oh, yeah. That's, that started with that scene. Good stuff. Billy Rice. Yeah. With, 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 um, Brendan Gleason playing a rather excellent kind of mafiosa style Trump. Yeah. But despite Netflix shows, the, the average voter, you know, m- middle America, they 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 don't know they don't have time for doing the research or putting all of these component parts together it's often a vote based on personality over policy or you know some vote for economy some vote for immigration or both so so this just goes back a little bit to the to the point that you know the US now is not how it was in the 1950s, 60s or 70s. It, it has changed fundamentally. And the fact that we are considering Donald Trump as the leading Republican candidate for president again, after all of this goes to prove mm. that the checks and balances, whether it be done by the voter at the ballot box or by the media or the security services or even the judiciary, Greg, has, yeah. has failed. Oh yeah, I mean,
1: that's, that's clear. Look. Trump was impeached twice. Nancy Pelosi impeached him. Um, impeach just means that it gets sent to the Senate for a trial. That's all that word means. Nancy Pelosi did her job uh, twice. So she could have done it earlier, maybe, when the Mueller report came out, maybe, and chose not to. Maybe if she had it to do over again, she would have done it three times.
0: I, if I'd have done it Sunday, on day five, by the way, the day that he announced the Muslim ban was mm-hmm. the day I would have done the impeachment. But, sorry, carry on.
1: <laughs> no, it's it's true. So, you know, the House of Representatives did its job. Then it went to the Senate twice. And, you know, there's there had only been one impeachment of a president in the history of the United States, which was Andrew Johnson in sixty eighteen sixty 1860, whatever, 667. Um, this the chief justice of the Supreme Court presides over this impeachment. And, as I understand it per the constitution, has a lot of leeway into how this is done. So John Roberts could have gone in there and really set a tone and gotten to the bottom of it. And John Roberts doesn't give a crap about this. John Roberts is a reactionary. He is a dark money guy. He wants to protect corporations. And he's, you know, the the shiniest, most socially acceptable fascist of the six fascists on the Supreme Court. And I say that, you know, with very specific meaning, because if Trump gets elected again, we're, you know, the democracy is done. He, he said this. And these these six people on the Supreme Court that he and Leonard Leo put there are going to, uh, you know, make it that way. They're going to rule with him. So you have John Roberts there at presiding over the impeachment, essentially just scrolling on his phone and playing Wordle while this shit is going on. He's not even trying to, uh, you know, uh, make it seem like a real thing. Like, um, before we came on, you were like, don't swear, because swearing, you know, it, it, it makes it too, like, un right? And I makes just said it hard the, to
0: share the show with your I just said the
1: S word, and I couldn't <laughs> help myself. But, it's like, okay. uh, you know, but it, there's a decorum that we want to have on your show. Uh, and and, it, that, and
0: I understand it's it's difficult when the stakes are this high.
1: No, no. I was saying John Roberts could not have the same decorum that you have, presiding right. over the the impeachment of a president that we all know is guilty. And the Senate also failed. The Senate could have the first time, and I'll never understand why they didn't get rid of him the first time. That was January, 2020. If they had just gotten rid of him and voted to get rid of him, Mike Pence would have been president heading into uh, the COVID period. He probably would have run COVID better than Trump did, (laughs) even though technically he was in charge. I don't think Pence was in charge of anything. Uh, And he may well have won the election against Biden. Uh, in in 2020. But they chose to stick with Trump because, um, as Amanda Carpenter told me years ago, they need the votes. They need Trump's votes. The the, the Trump people are not really old school Republicans. They're people that don't usually vote, that are only interested in the cult of personality. So they let let him loose. Um, Then he presided over the COVID period, which nobody likes to talk about. Um, 1.2 million Americans are dead of COVID um, right now, Um, something like that. And, you know, people were going to die anyway, but if he had been competent, if he had not weaponized vaccination, mask wearing, all that stuff, uh, and made it a political issue, right? So that his voters, his NAGA people don't want, you know, masks, don't want any of that stuff. It's such a, a betrayal of humanity. It's hard to really even wrap my mind around but if you go by, you know, in New Zealand or South Korea or a country that did this better, and even if you say, okay, if the same percentage of, of people died in the United States that died in South Korea, there's something like 400,000, 350,000 Americans that died because Trump and Kushner and Pence screwed this up so badly. So that's what happens. Then he loses the election and then there's the insurrection. Um, all in a year period of time. And then they impeach him again. Again, Nancy Pelosi doing her job. Um, And what happens? The Senate, again, lets him off. It's quicker this time. It's just, ah, it's fine. If he had been kicked out then, which there was a week left, who cares? Then he wouldn't be running right now.
0: Wouldn't be running right now. But it's the gradual degradation of moral standards, isn't it? The fact that they didn't impeach him for trying to extort Vladimir Zelensky because for some reason, you know, it didn't really matter. (laughs) Yeah. Then January 6th, again, they failed to, you know, as as you say, kind of criminalize him, remove him from office. This cult-like mentality, it's almost like the cult was growing from 2016 through 2020. The cult is growing and growing and getting stronger, not just amongst voters, but amongst the House of Representatives, senators people who see trump as this kind of golden goose mm-hmm. and who does reach ex- the extremes the, the, you know the extreme voters who would have been marginalized in in previous years for because of their by nature of being too extreme N- not Nazis effectively and and, and yeah. yet trump involved and invited everybody stand stand back and stand by find people on both sides. Right. Yeah, This kind of constant dog whistle towards the groups that are are listening. Proud Boys, Oath Keepers, Hearing Code, the white power symbol. Right. However you choose to read it, this was, to all intents and purposes, a, a call to arms. Do you, Do you think with all of this stuff, including the connections with Russia, that Trump did it consciously? Is he smart enough to know The big picture here, or is he just? Are these all kind of isolated events of a madman that, when you put them together, give the impression that he is a a Russian asset? He's not a madman.
1: He knows what he's doing.
0: I mean, he's very good at
1: working the crowd and doing the thing that he does. He's he's charismatic. He obviously is entertaining to these people, and they like him, and he's he he's good at that. That that is a skill that he is good at. And I think our side likes to always think that he's just this this idiot. Which I don't think he's a smart guy. I think a lot of this stuff is instinct. Um, Stephanie Koff, LB, who hosts the show with me, the five eight, uh, would say that he was trained, that that the um, you know, these are skill sets that Russia and the Kremlin and the KGB developed over time, what he does, uh, you know, how he works the media and all this kind of stuff. Um, I don't know about that, but uh certainly he acts like he he is. He's very, very good at this. Um you know, Roy Cohn was one of his mentors who was a big Bob lawyer and, you know, showed him how to do what he's doing. But um, I think he he has the right mentality for it because he's, you know, I don't know what the DSM code for what he is. is. people say, he's a malignant narcissist. I say, you know, he doesn't care about other people. He cares about himself and feeding his ego. And, uh, you know, I think if you're going to be a dictator like he wants to be or a, a the leader of a of a cult, Um, you have to be, um, you know, soulless in a sense, lack empathy, not care about the people that are, you're, you know, kind of leading. And most of us, thankfully are not like that. I don't think it's, it's difficult to have a cult. You know, you just have to want to and be enough of a a horrible person to do it.
0: Yeah. Well, Um, it's born of a personality disorder. And, you know, he has been diagnosed as having this personality disorder, this malignant narcissism. You know, the 37 psychiatrists, psychologists, experts have, have made this diagnosis. And, you know, to ignore that would be foolish because anybody who's ever spent any time in the company of a narcissist, let alone dated one or had one in the family, will recognize these classic traits. But it still doesn't. I mean, no one addresses that stuff. The media don't address that. They, they talk about him like he's sane, like he's a, a regular candidate. And, and, and yeah. it's their normalization of him that has been responsible for so much of, the, of, of his rise and his growth and, and his support, no?
1: Yeah. I mean, the media is, you know, the media is absolutely culpable. They have a way that they cover elections and they have a way that they cover presidents. And it's a template. And it's always the same and they do not change it no matter what. And there's a lot
0: of different reasons for that. I think Um, you want to get into the reasons or do you want to talk about something? I mean, I mean, briefly, sure. Yeah. I mean, you know, like revenue, I would suggest is probably pretty high on the list.
1: Yeah. I mean, yes, but I, I, from the, that that's the top end, you know, the, the, the executive people, the less Moonves or whatever, but the journalists on the ground, the investigative journalists want to do a good job. There has been, let's be clear a lot of really, really fantastic investigative journalism during this whole period. The only reason that I know anything that I know is because I read it in the Washington Post, the New York Times, or the Wall Street Journal or whatever, right? So it's not like the journalists aren't doing the job on that level. It's the next level of how the stuff is presented and who's writing the op-eds, how it is framed, which stories they choose to you know, go into depth about and which ones they don't. You know, and how they it's just a curiosity. And that's not necessarily something that comes out of, um, you know, sinister, some sinister motive. I mean, news organizations are big and they have news meetings and it's hard to buck the the trend on the news meetings because it's like a huge ship. You know, turning it around or steering it is very, very difficult to do. I mean, if you look at Watergate, which is probably the most certainly most famous journalistic thing that happened in in the 20th century. So many factors had to be in place for that to play out the way that it did. You had two reporters who were very good at their jobs in Woodward and Bernstein. You had an editor that let them do that, that helped them and, you know, maybe contain them when they needed to be contained. And then you had an editor in Ben Bradley who was like, go do the thing. I don't care. Go do it. And uh, who stood behind them when they kind of like got in trouble or, or people were questioning it at the beginning. And they had a publisher in K. Graham who just was okay with it. So all of those things had to happen for this big story to take place. So nowadays, I mean, the K. Grams are Bezos owns the New York. T- like it's not, there's what, three corporations own the entire media yeah. outlet. And yeah. I don't like to be conspiratorial about it because it doesn't really, like traditionally in a journalistic outfit, the publisher and the editorial are not supposed to have any contact at all. I know that people think like, Rupert Murdoch walks around the Fox News desk and, and and issues commands. Maybe he does, but it's not supposed to be that way. Sorry, lip balm. Um, so uh, historically, that's how it's supposed to work. But anybody that's working at Fox News knows what Rupert wants and what Rupert doesn't. The Washington Post is very unlikely to go into an in-depth hit piece on Amazon, right? Because the, that's who pays the bills. So that's just human nature. So there's lots and lots of things that 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 kind of uh, um, make the media tick and, and give them the directions that they go to. And it's it's complicated. There's lots of different reasons. There's lots of different motives going on. So it's not just one big, oh, the media is awful because of this. It's They failed the job collectively, but individuals didn't fail the job. It's just the collective did. Like, okay, here's an example. Um, Paul Manafort. Remember when Paul Manafort came to be the, the chair of the Trump campaign, which I think was in February or March of 2016. Yeah. Uh, here's a guy who was, had been in Ukraine. Um, not, nobody really wrote that much about him. When he came on board, um, the reason, the way that it was framed in the media was that uh, he had in, I think, 1976, brokered a contested convention. And they were anticipating that the convention, the Republican National Convention in 16, was going to be contested. So the way that the media reported is, this is an old guard guy. Jared and Ivanka call him the count. He knows that it, nobody reported about the, the Roger Stone stuff. Nobody looked at all these dictators that he was working for. Certainly nobody really went into the Ukraine thing until it was too late. Like it was way after, um, you know, and Paul Manafort was working with a guy in Russian's intelligence who specialized in sabotaging elections. Like that's the guy that he worked. This is in Volume Five of the Bipartisan Senate Report, um, Senate Intelligence Committee Report on Russian interference in the election. So this happened. This is true, but the media is just like, oh, this is this is great. He's an old guard guy. He's coming back to do this contested election thing, and nobody really went there for months and months and months. And you know that that's what happens. And it's hard. It's there's so many different people. Trump makes it hard. He floods the zone with uh, S word. As, as per Steve Bannon, and, and it's hard to, you know, it's hard to focus on any one thing with him because there's so much going on that's awful. Um, but
0: we we don't seem to have learned as a nation, and the media don't seem to have learned. And 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 you know, when he lost the election in in 2020, and people were like, "Thank God we've seen the back of this guy," and he did go to ground for a little while, right? He you know, he hid in Mar-a-Lago. You didn't really hear much from him for a little while. He'd been banned from Twitter and various places. Mm-hmm. But then it all started up again. Once he realized that he was starting to see these kind of, you know, these indictments, criminal indictments, there was this sudden desire to win the presidency again so that he could, you know, find his own way to immunity. And and the media just have forgotten. They have short memories. and And so they're back on the Trump train again. And, and, and you know, we see it with our own eyes. There was an article in the, um, Newsweek uh, published in October. Uh, and it was actually, a, sorry, it was an op-ed by uh, Monica Crowley, who's the former assistant secretary of the Treasury under Donald Trump. And the headline was the world needs President Trump now more than ever. I mean, the fact that Newsweek would even print that, it, you know, knowing what they know and, and you know, I think there is a public service responsibility with news organizations that seems to have, have very much failed. And we have to take a quick pause for our sponsor, but I want to come back and talk about yeah, this moment that Donald Trump plastered over every newspaper and TV channel in the last week where he says that he will actively encourage Russia to attack NATO member nations that haven't paid up. They're they're 2% of of, of GDP. We'll, We'll come back and do that next. February is Heart Health Month in the United States, and more than half the population would still benefit from blood pressure support. Well, Superbeats Heart Chews are the number one doctor, pharmacist, and cardiologist recommended way to support healthy blood pressure and they even promote heart-healthy energy without the stimulants. Paired with a healthy lifestyle, the antioxidants in Superbeats are clinically shown to be nearly two times more effective at promoting normal blood pressure than a healthy lifestyle alone. And with over 40,000 five-star reviews and counting, people are raving about Superbeats heart chews. I have to say I found them delicious and they're now part of my morning routine. It's nice to know that there is some goodness going on inside. Supporting healthy blood pressure comes with a bonus. Superbeats heart chews support healthy circulation, so you not only get blood pressure support, you also get productive, heart healthy energy without the crash. Support your heart health with Superbeats Heart Chews. Get a free month supply of SuperBeets Heart Chews on all bundles and a free full-size bag of turmeric chews valued at $25 with your order by going to weekendbeats.com. Get this exclusive offer only at weekendbeats.com. I'm excited to tell you about Moink. That's Moo plus Oink, Moink is a meat subscription box company on a mission to fight for the family farm. They're located in rural America, run by an eighth generation female farmer. Their animals are raised humanely, their employees are paid a living wage, and the quality of their product is better than anything you'll find in a store. Moink delivers grass-fed and grass-finished beef and lamb, pastured pork and chicken, and sustainable wild-caught Alaskan salmon straight to your door. I have received one of these boxes and I can verify that the quality of the food was excellent and it tasted delicious too. Keep American farming going by signing up at moinkbox.com weekend now and listeners of this show get free bacon for a year. That's one year of the best bacon you'll ever taste, but for a limited time. Spelled M-O-I-N-K com slash weekend. That's moinkbox.com slash weekend. We're back on The Weekend Show with Greg Oliar. I'm Anthony Davis. So Donald Trump's uh, relationship with Russia is something that we're, we're focusing on today. But explicitly, At a a rally just a week or so ago, he brought up this conversation, this potentially fake conversation, some saying it was with Angela Merkel of Germany, but we don't really know, where he says, they said to him, if, you know, if we're not paid up members of NATO, will you support us in the event that Russia tried to attack us? And he said, if you're delinquent, no. And in fact, I'll encourage them to attack you unless you pay up. I mean... This is a former president of the United States from recent history, speaking like a, an authoritarian, but also as an as a asset of, of, of Russia. And he's doubled down on that, Greg, since. You know, he's he was obviously been asked about it and he has doubled down on it. I mean, he, he might as well be just waving the flag of the Russian Federation as a, you know, in addition to his... Confederacy flag and his Trump flags and anything else that he he likes to fly because it, it does seem now that it is really that obvious you know who this guy is and the kind of presidency he he chooses to offer.
1: Yeah, I mean it was obvious by Helsinki. Certainly anybody that watched Helsinki should yeah. know but let's talk about NATO for a second because I think this is important. NATO came about after 1945 as a way to um, contain the Soviet Union, but also um, make it so that the countries in Europe wouldn't go to war with each other um, other than little, you know, the conflict in the Balkans in the nineties, it was successful. There's not been war in Europe and Western Europe for this entire time. Um, the last time that there was this much, this much peace in this much of Europe You have to go back to the reign of Antonius Pius in the 2nd century AD um, in Rome. So this is a historical anomaly where we have this peace, where we have Germany and France working together, where we have France and England working together, uh, where we have Italy and Germany working. together. This did not happen for hundreds and hundreds of years, right? Um, 19, the the map behind me, as as you can see, is a map of of Europe and World War One. That was awful. And then they decided at the end of World War I, we don't wanna do that again, but 25 years later, they did it again and it was even worse. So 1945 on, we have NATO. Um, And NATO and the Pax Americana, the fact that the United States sort of took this leadership role in the world for better or for worse, you know, as a hegemonic power, or one of the two great superpowers with the Soviet Union being the other one, brought peace. You know, you people bitch and moan about the the defense budget, but one of the one of the reasons why there's been peace in the world, or much of the world for this long, is because of the US defense budget. So uh that's what NATO is. It's really, really, really important. And who doesn't like NATO is Vladimir Putin. He's always complaining about NATO. NATO wants to invade Russia. NATO wants to da 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 Dude, NATO doesn't want to. Win. Nobody wants your country, Vlad. Nobody cares about nobody wants it. It's 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 awful. You have toilets that don't flush. Uh, we don't care. And if NATO was ever going to invade Russia, they would have invaded it like now when all of his army is in Ukraine. Right. So it's never going to happen. So Putin doesn't like NATO. Uh, NATO is responsible for bringing this peace, or at least for uh, supporting it. And Trump has been trying to destroy it since since he became president. So it's no surprise that he would want to do this. And to whose benefit? It's it, it's Putin's benefit, as you said, flat out. Th- this is, you know, this is Putin's thing. It, it, it's Putin's pet project. Uh I don't even know what the right, what the right analogy would be. You know, it's it, it's it's sycophantic for Trump yeah. to,
0: to talk about NATO in this way. It's a certain um, and of course irony. Work, the paying in, you know, that's just stupid. Well, but but that's that's false as well because mm-hmm. you know, two percent of GDP obviously means a different amount to different countries. The United States' GDP is the largest in the world, you know, arguably. So the U.S. pays more. Most countries are paying either two percent or very very close to it, and so this really was just a, a ruse by Trump to try and give the impression that he was asserting his authority but again it could have been what vladimir putin said to him secretly at helsinki in that private meeting before they got up on the stage mm-hmm. and trump trump was asked you know did vladimir putin uh, get involved in the election of 2016 and he said well i asked him and he said no who am i going <laughs> to believe the, the the u.s security services or the guy standing next to me I mean, you know, again, that was a moment that he should have been impeached. You could, there's a list of dozens. But, but, you know, time and time again, Trump is siding with Russia. He's doing Russia's bidding time and time again. He's never said a bad word about Russia. He's also never even uttered the words Alexei Navalny, never mentioned Alexei Navalny. And yet Biden, when he was first elected, you know, Put a warning out there to to Vladimir Putin about you know keeping Alexei Navalny safe, albeit in prison. I feel I feel like this double standard is something that you know you and I might be able to analyze because you know this is what we do. But to the average person, they hear him say no collusion, Russia, 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 and in the next breath be supportive of Russia and celebrating Vladimir Putin, and yet people tend not to make the connection that actually he's, he's just contradicted himself. I mean, that is the work of a master conman, a confidence trickster, that yeah. you can say one thing and then another thing and, and have people have, it's almost like they have selective hearing. But it also, I think one of the things I've learned
1: recently in, in the last couple of years is that there are people that actually just like what Putin is serving. You know there are people in right. the United States that want a dictatorship more than than I'm comfortable yeah. with and you're comfortable with, and yeah. they might not care that he's with Russia. They might be for Russia. Tucker Carlson said he was for Russia on right. Fox News, right? When he was there, kept saying it over and over. Yeah. Um, You know, and that that these are influential people.
0: Who, is this new though, Greg? Is this a, is this a new position, or has it always been this way and it's just been in the shadows? Because really, it's now is only really the first time that. That members of Congress, Republicans in Congress, and some senators are actually starting to talk favorably about Putin because, and, and, and painting Vladimir Zelensky as the enemy in Ukraine.
1: Yeah. Um, I don't know. I mean, it's the problem isn't even Trump. The problem is the whole GOP, right? I, I mean, like you said, there's congressmen, but the, the GOP as a whole is now dug in with Putin. And there are always some people. Who were you know senators or whatever like uh, Rand Paul um, who John McCain famously said on the floor of the Senate you were doing the work for Vladimir Putin um, you know he 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 went to Russia and met with Putin delivered a letter what was that like that's yeah. crazy to, you know uh, Lindsey Graham there's there's weird stuff with Lindsey Graham remember the 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 Russian Embassy tweeted that photo of Lindsey Graham in a pool it's like what's going yeah. on with that yeah uh, the, there was the um, the the senators and the one congresswoman who went to Moscow on the 4th of July, I think in 2019, um, Ron Johnson being the, you know, the one that came back from that trip. And as soon as he came back, just, you know, he's just towing the whole Putin party line. And it's, I wrote a piece about it, like basically predicting it and lo, that's what happened because that's what happens when you go there. Um now this Tommy Tuberville, I don't know what his deal is. He might just be dumb. He is a, yeah. a, a football coach and a not very yeah. good one. So and he, um, he held
0: up all of the appoint- military appointments, which yes. made America weaker, arguably. Yeah, um, no, he did not, not. Argue inarguably, he made America weaker. And that yeah. again could have been dictated from the Kremlin. Who knows? Right, or just you know some donor. Te-
1: like I think if there was a um, if we look useful idiot up in the dictionary, there's a picture <laughs> of the guy that yeah. you know. The three-time loser of the egg bowl at, at, at all this, uh, yeah. <laughs> Tommy Tuberville, right? But, you know, these people are there and they're doing the bidding. They just are. The way they vote. And right now, not giving aid to Ukraine is just flat out, you know, you're either, this is, it's Manichaean. It's, it's, it's us or them. It's, it's black and white. It's not, there's no nuance in the Ukraine war. You're either on the side of Ukraine slash democracy or you're on the side of Russia slash totalitarianism. Which is it? And if you're helping Russia and you're in the United States, why are you even here?
0: He'll take you there. Go in with Snowden. Should we talk about why some Americans, GOP or otherwise, are, are, see a, a di- dictatorship as a kind of favorable formula for, for, for governance? Because sure. yeah. I don't think anyone's really talking about that. And, and what worries me is that in its simplest form, it can sound quite appealing. You know, you put all your trust in one guy and you know, he does all the, all the stuff for you and you don't really get to vote on it or anything. You know, just trust him and, and this is what Trump is offering. You know, trust me and I'm your man and I'll deal with all these things and I'll end the war in one day and, and everything else. It, you know, for people who don't have the time to do the research or maybe don't know history, it can be kind of appealing. And, and and people don't have the time here now because, as you know, the economy is such in the Western world that you've got to work all hours to pay your rent and everything else. And so, so people are not doing their due diligence, and, and that is very dangerous, isn't it? So, so wh- why do you think some Republicans see a, a potential dictatorship, whether a Trump dictatorship or a Putin dictatorship, as being the solution to all their problems?
1: Well, the the main benefit of a dictatorship, if you're arguing for, is that they can—they do have the ability to just snap their fingers and policy changes. You know, one of the way, the way that that the American government is designed is that it requires compromise, so everything changes slowly. It's designed that way, and it for the longevity of the country, it's for the best, even though it's frustrating um, at certain moments, certainly. Uh, but you know, that's how it's designed, and that's how it works. If you're a dictator, you just say, oh, no, we're not going to do this anymore. You know, Trump can say, like, all, all, you know, we're closing the borders. Nobody else is allowed in here. And, and that would happen, um, you know, for example. And some people want that. You have, um, you know, people like Leonard Leo, who is the, uh, and anybody who wonders about Leonard Leo doesn't know who he is. He was the head of the Federalist Society um, and, and all these dark money groups and is responsible for putting five, radical reactionary, uh, radical Catholic reactionary justices on the Supreme court. And he's best buddies with the sixth in Clarence Thomas. Um, I've done a lot of stuff about him. I had a podcast this week about him. Um, he has radical extremist beliefs. He wants to eradicate, uh, the wall between church and state. He wants abortion to be illegal. He wants, uh, you know, LGBTQ rights to be illegal. He doesn't like contraception nobody wants that in this country, right? The majority of people are never going to vote for those positions. They're just not. So the only way that somebody like that is going to get what they want, if that's the most important thing for you, and the only way to achieve that is through dictatorship, then okay, dictatorship it shall be, right? And, you know, people have other reasons for doing it. I did a deep dive into the so-called dark enlightenment or the NRX, the neo-reactionaries. And there is this uh, kind of, we'll use the word intellectual and we can put Uh, scare quotes around it if you like but there is a um a thought process behind it and it goes back to the the manifesto written by the unabomber um this is like their their sacred text of these people (laughs) so again this is this is who we're dealing with now yeah and from what i've seen they deal in the realm of ideas you know they yeah in theory this would be great but dictatorships don't work in theory they they just they suck and everybody everybody who's lived in one knows that you know, if you ask anybody that's actually lived through a dictatorship or was in one of the the Soviet bloc states or something like that, what they think about this, they will tell you, ah, you know, we don't want that. That's awful, you know, and Steve I Bannon makes
0: a very compelling case for this, though, doesn't he? Because St- Steve Bannon, I would argue, is one of these people, you know, I've said on the show a couple of times that he's an intelligent person and people were in the comments like, what are you talking about? <laughs> there is a problem where people are eloquent. And they make a compelling argument, and they've read history, and yet they still choose dictatorship. And Steve Bannon is one of these people who is very much pushing this Project 2025 Heritage Foundation scheme where, you know, they're going to replace civil servants with Trump loyalists. That when it's said with, you know, great intent and with conviction, people just presume that it, it must be good and 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 that is very dangerous isn't it for a, for a country where again people don't have the the time or the really the experience to get under the skin of some of these policies before they vote for them
1: we've just been very lucky you know in, in this country um i'm 51 years old and the country has always been free and during my lifetime the rights have just expanded you know yeah. almost on a consistent basis more and more inclusivity, more and more rights for more and more people. And I didn't have to go to war. I didn't feel the effect of any war, really. I mean, you could argue, I guess, the, the monetary effect of of Iraq and Afghanistan, but the the way that you know uh, the Dutch were literally starving to death in in World War II. Like nobody in this country in the last in my lifetime has ever had to deal with anything like that, right? So we're we're spoiled, and most of the people who participated in World War II or lived through it are either dead or they're very, very old. And I don't think it's a coincidence that as that generation dies out and we lose the primary sources and the primary voices, this is when people go back and they do their revisionist history. This is where Sean Hannity can be like, Stalin was our ally in World War II. Isn't he great? No, Sean, he isn't great. He's awful. He killed more people than Hitler. So you know, when you, when you remove those primary sources uh, you, you can have people like Steve Bannon around who can twist the truth or do a revisionist history. Who's going to argue that was there, you know, it, nobody, it, it, we're getting to the point where, you know, the people are just, they're just not around to argue. You can have historians argue, but that's not as, as convincing. I think if if there's one thing the American people love, Anthony, it's historians going on TV. <laughs> <talking>. <laughs> yeah.
0: I, I mean, I see it a lot. Talking of the Federalist Society, what's that guy's name? Is it, is it Victor Davis Hanson? Is that yeah. his name? Mm-hmm. Right. I mean, he is a, you know, he paints himself as a historian, and yet his perspective is so warped. It's so revisionist. It's so extreme. And because he's a, an old white man in a suit and tie, and he's, mm-hmm. you know, often at a university when he's being interviewed or something, that it gives it, it it gives credence to his far right extremist xenophobic policies and yet the people the news organizations have him on all the time
1: yeah i i don't know why they choose to have him on and not the side of that's correct maybe i i don't know it, it it's strange to me and i don't you know it's the whole popularity of nazis now in this country is very very odd to me um for most of my life going to the movies watching shows i mean watch the history channel like nazis are bad we know the, the bad guys in every war movie they're always bad we know this and yet now we're like well maybe they're maybe maybe not well no they they really are so i i don't understand it i don't understand the the desire to do it i just me personally i just don't get it but clearly there are people that you know that need to have this revisionist view of history and i think it comes down to the sort of um mind that likes to see things very much in 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 black and white and without yeah. nuance you know this is a conspiracy because da, 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 this person knew that went to college with that person who went to And world events don't usually work that way. Like things are complicated, you know. Sick. Like people say, you go to Davos, and that's where all the rich people, powerful, meet, and they agree on the agenda of the world. And it's like, dude, six
0: rich people couldn't agree on where to go to dinner in New York City. (laughs) They're going to agree on that. But this shifts to the right and to the extreme right and to the rise of Nazism. It's not exclusive to the U.S. I mean, yeah. you know, look at uh Anders Breivik in Norway, you know, mm-hmm. with that hor- horrific massacre. These these characters, these individuals who they've done their own reading. They have their own agenda. They've been brainwashed in their own information silo. And and, and even the Nazi rallies in Florida that Ron DeSantis refused to condemn. I mean, this type of stuff is happening not just in the U.S. but but in other countries as well. Eastern Europe is becoming a lot more militant. You know, Poland, for example, and so you know, it's it's we can sometimes think that it's it's just an American problem, but it isn't. You know, the rise of Viktor Orbán in Hungary, for example, which is a, you know he he appeared at cpac conference i mean he's somebody that trump and the gop hold in high regard oh if only america could be more like hungary Mm -hmm. this this is a this is a terrifying thing turkey erdogan and then we know about kim john and trump's relationship with him his bromance with him i mean this obsession with dictators and the extreme right is you know trump really opened the floodgates for that didn't he
1: I guess he did, or maybe it's been going on all along and it's just now it's okay to come out of the, under, yeah. out from under the rock and yeah. show that, let the, let the freak flag fly, as it were. Yeah. Uh, you know, I was in, I was in Berlin two weeks ago and I talked to people from various countries. Poland seems to be in pretty good shape right now from what, what my Polish friends say. So, but yeah, there, there are these, these rise of things and, uh, I don't know. Maybe it's on some level you know king the idea of having kings is just you know until very recently was just kind of how things were and maybe on some level people just like that idea i don't know i have no idea i i don't like the idea of, of having some kind of uh, dictator it seems like a terrible idea to me and a, and a terrible way to live and so um everything is so contingent just on the whim of this person you know if you get a if you get a really good person maybe but you know, you're not going to, and you're certainly not going to twice in a row or whatever. So I I don't know.
0: It's it's frightening that it's even a consideration that we're even having to have this conversation uh, about the United States, which has always been, you know, the the, the images of of immigrants coming to Ellis Island and, and that whole idea that you can really kind of integrate here is is very much being rewritten, certainly with the language the xenophobia towards asylum seekers on the southern border it's It's been weaponized you know that this is a great country built by slaves and immigrants, and yet you would think that you know the Americans had claim to it since time began
1: yeah, I mean, to be fair, there's always been xenophobia there's always always historically in the country been we were here first, we don't want anybody knew coming and yeah. any new wave of, of immigrant was always treated badly and had the, you know, the, the low rung jobs and, and stuff like that, that, that happened in the 1800s happened in the nineteen, you know, it's just, just how it was. Um, so I think some of the idea of, yay, come immigrants, we love you all is, you know, there's that poem, the Emma Lazarus poem is really st- stirring, but yeah. it's not necessarily true or grounded yeah. in, in reality. And I think it's, it's really looking back that you can say, um, "Yeah, the immigrants who came to the country. Look at all this good stuff that they did. Look at it, look at how the, the the cultures came together and and uh, created this place." Um, the way that I look at it is that when people come here, especially from you know a lot of people from one country or something like that, it's usually because something bad is happening in the other country, or this group of people that's coming over has lost something in some fundamental way. Yeah. Um, so you have these these people that are coming here that basically their country of origin no longer wants them, right? For whatever reason, and we come here and we combine together, all of us, you know, losers. And who are, who are we? We're the we're we're the top man. So I think that's kind of an interesting story from a narrative uh, point yeah. of view when you when you think yeah. about immigration. But um, it's just painting
0: know. them as as rapists and drug dealers. And and murderers, as Trump says, which which you know it, it's so cheap. It's such a cheap shot at people who are seeking a better life and often bringing their children as well. Who you know, and when you hear these migrants interviewed at the border, they are so desperate to come and assimilate and to yeah. work hard and to do whatever they can to contribute. You know, and I, and I speak as an immigrant myself. You know, it's like come here for a a better life, and 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 do your best to kind of be part and be proud of your new home. And, and I, I do think a lot of that gets, gets lost in translation. I'll say this
1: too. I was surprised when I was in Europe talking to people from different countries, how pervasive the, um, the border problem and the immigrant problem you know, is. And people think that there's a problem. Um, that talking point is everywhere. Mm-hmm. It's in China, it's in Eastern yeah. Europe. It's all over the place, yeah. and there is a perception that you know Biden is weak because of the border or whatever. Um, and it's it it was interesting to me that the disinformation and all of the, uh, you know, it's, ah, it's hard not to swear, Anthony. Anyway, mm. all of that bad stuff uh, mm. has legs. You know, yeah. I, I was very surprised.
0: Yeah. Well, well, Trump closed the border effectively, and and Biden reopened the border. It's kind of as simple as that, isn't it? Yeah. Um, uh, Okay, we have to take another quick pause for our sponsor, but I, I want to come back and talk about Alexei Navalny. And, and you know, the, the, I do think that the world is actually feeling great sadness for his loss. If, if indeed it's true, you don't Evan really know with, with the, the Kremlin, do you? But we'll come back and do that next here on The Weekend Show. Are you self-conscious about your smile due to stains? Are your teeth aging you? Food and drink... Unknown to stain teeth, coffee, wine, they stain over time. So what can you do to brighten your smile? Well, you should give Smile Actives a try. Smile Actives is safe, effective, easy to use, and will keep you smiling proudly. I personally have been to a dentist and had a teeth whitening treatment. It was painful. It was uncomfortable and it was not a experience that I would want to repeat. Well, simply add Smile Actives Pro Whitening Gel to your regular toothpaste. Do it at home. It's been formulated with PolyClean technology to boost stain removal and deliver active whitening ingredients into teeth's grooves to get better whitening. People will start commenting on your whiter, brighter smile in just days. SmileActives is the whitening boost your favorite toothpaste needs to give you the smile you deserve. Visit smileactives.com slash weekend today to receive a special buy one get one free offer with auto delivery plus shipping and handling. That's smileactives.com slash weekend. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Did you know Fast Growing Trees is the biggest online nursery in the US with more than 10,000 different types of plants and over 2 million happy customers. You can grow lemon, avocado, olive or fig trees inside your home on top of the wide variety of houseplants available. Fast-growing trees makes it easy to order online and your plants are shipped directly to your door in one to two days and along with their 30-day alive and thrive guarantee they offer free plant consultation forever. I've received recently a lemon tree, an avocado tree and a fiddle fig and I mean it looks like a veritable forest on my deck right now. For a limited time only, not only can you buy one, get one free on their website, but listeners to our show get an additional 15% off when using the code WEEKEND at checkout. That's an additional 15% off at FastGrowingTrees.com using the code WEEKEND at checkout. FastGrowingTrees.com, code WEEKEND. Offer is valid for a limited time. Tell them we sent you. We're back with Greg Oliar here on the Weekend Show. I'm Anthony Davis. Um, the death of Alexei Navalny was announced on uh, Friday, and you know th- this is something. I don't know if you saw the the documentary that was made about him recently. Most beautiful documentary. I forget which network it was on, but it followed his cu- his crusade, his campaign, his arrest, multiple arrests. Of course, Vladimir Putin tried to poison him on a on a on a plane. Uh, he recovered from that because the plane managed to divert, get him to a hospital very quickly. No, Navalny has always been one of these kind of, you know, rebels—somebody who is prepared to stand up to the to the dictator, to the might of uh, uh, of Russia and the Kremlin. And Putin does not like to be questioned or to have his authority called into question, and, and and Navalny was willing to do that at every juncture. And had huge support. I mean, let's not forget that Navalny did actually uh, head quite a large movement of, of anti-Putin rebels. And, and, and so it was wonderful to see. And he had a beautiful family, a beautiful wife and children, and, and they feature in the documentary. So I, I highly recommend it. I think it might just be called Navalny Show. So the news has announced that, that he has, he has died. And this is not something that we didn't expect. And in fact, he has suggested that it's something he was prepared for, because he knew that once he was captured by Putin, then the odds of him surviving were pretty slim, considering that Putin tends to poison people or make them disappear. What are the ramifications of this, considering that there is this war in Ukraine, that there is funding that we're, you know, trying to seek in the congress which mike johnson wants nothing to do dictat from donald trump i mean what 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 is the political ramification for the death of of putin's opponent here in the us i think it's too soon to know
1: because it could go a number of ways i think um you know as you said it it evoli himself pretty much knew he was go- this was going to happen at some point uh and was hoping that it wouldn't, as we all hoped that it wouldn't. Um, So what's interesting is the timing. Why now, you know, the the method or whatever is, is not as important to as the timing. Um, This is the same week that Trump has, you know, done the thing about NATO and talked about that. It's the same week that Tucker Carlson interviewed Putin in Moscow and in an attempt at propaganda, I think, in an attempt to um, normalize Putin for a Western audience, I think that was the point of it.
0: And it certainly that, looked like
1: that, didn't it? It did not work. Uh, Putin came across as stiff, boring, and then there were flashes of real anger on his face. And, I, you know, even if you watch that and you just had the sound off, you and just look at the way Putin reacted to things you know, you can get a good sense of his personality. Um, And then there's the votes, you know, we're trying to get this passed um, to send money to Ukraine. Um, World leaders are gathered this week also, and Putin can't go to Europe because he's a wanted war criminal. Um, So maybe that stings a little bit He wasn't invited to the party. So I don't know, there's lots of things going on. And of course, the the Hamas war um, in Israel, which uh, helps Putin. Um, I think, you know, but basically it diverts attention away from Ukraine and it makes the argument for getting rid of Putin by what he's doing to Ukraine harder for Biden to make. So, uh, all of these things taken together, why Navalny? Why now? Um, Navalny himself said in the video that he made to be played when he died that if he is dead for this reason, it means that we are powerful and Putin is weak. And I think that's true. I think, you know, if you're a, a strong uh, dictator, if you're really smart about it and you want to stay in power, it's, you know, it shows the world that you aren't thin skinned, that you can have this guy. It's kind of ridiculous to have him in prison, sure. But the fact that he was still alive meant something. Now it, it, it doesn't mean something anymore, you know? Um, it reminds me of, of, uh, MBS killing Khashoggi in a way, right? Somebody is critical, uh, of the country and he couldn't stand the criticism. So therefore he had to get rid of the guy. So, um, and Trump that, was complicit
0: also, in that as well. Oh, you yeah. Know, tr- and, Trump's, and Trump's complicity in, in, in the death of Jamal Khashoggi was really the precursor to this. Yes. You know, you can trace Donald Trump back to the war in Ukraine you can trace Donald Trump back to the war in Gaza you can trace Donald Trump to mm-hmm. Jamal Khashoggi and you can certainly trace him to the death of Alexei Navalny
1: yeah yeah uh but by getting rid of his political rival um now perhaps he's feeling heat and is afraid that you know there's going to be a moment when the Russian people or somebody's going to turn on him. Yeah, uh, and he's foreseen something, or he's getting more paranoid, or whatever.
0: So he's flexing um, his muscles. Is that what you're saying?
1: He's fle- just like the other guy, the the, the chef. Uh, what's his name? The the, the uh, um, I can't even remember his name now. I, I I did a whole fake ad making fun of him before he died, and now he is Yeah, you give me you know Purgosian looked like for a minute that he was going to go to Moscow and take Putin out and take over. Yeah, that was on the table for at least an hour and a half or something, yeah. and then the next thing you know, he's he's on vacation in Belarus, right? You know, that's where I would go on vacation. And,
0: and he he was the head of a private army, mm-hmm. you know, when he wasn't yeah. working as a chef or as a he was, <laughs> right. he, he was in <laughs> catering, I think, wasn't he? Yeah, it was as, catering. Yeah, and <laughs> and I mean, that's what's so crazy about these you know, Russian Russian generals, but it also shows the level of desperation that Putin had to reach out to, uh, you know, a private army made up of ex-cons to, yeah. to actually, you know, fight the Ukrainians in, in, in Ukraine. And, you know, uh, we all predicted the death of General Prigozhin, didn't we? I mean, it was, all, it was like, yeah. you know, no wonder the guy's gone on vacation. He wants to get as far from Putin as possible. Yeah, and, Navalny yeah. didn't have that luxury, though, did he? He was in a no. Siberian maximum security prison. He, he's, his card was already marked
1: right and and in that sense why bother you know why the, what's he's he's far removed from he's you know we use the word siberia when yeah. we mean something far and distant right, he's yeah. literally in, in siberia yeah. what what can you you know uh, i don't know that there was another step required so the fact that he assuming that it's all true by the way right. uh, that he felt this was necessary now i think that to me looking at it is is a tell of something and what i don't know I think it's it, it's still to be determined. The other thing that happened this week, again talking about the timing, and yeah. not not to suggest there's collusion between Trump and Russia, but um, maybe just coincidence. This was a bad week for Trump. You had yeah. the you know the, there's the the Georgia case. So Fani Willis was grilled, um, you know, by that judge about the thing that happened, and it looks to me like they're trying to reveal personal information about her yeah and paint her as a bad person and an enemy of trump and this is where she lives and she's with her dad and she has fifteen thousand dollars in cash in her closet in this state where everybody has a gun where it's really easy to buy a gun and i think that trump you know
0: i I don't want to think this but i'm afraid that he's courting political violence Uh, undoubtedly i mean that, mm -hmm. that 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 whole case to, to make Forney Willis the, the target of the case as opposed to trying to overturn the election in Georgia. I mean, that's quite a pivot, but th- th- this, this is just racism. This is yeah. Trump seeing a black female, and as a, as a strong, white, rich man, he's like, I will not have a, a, you know, a black woman bring me down, so I'm just going to go you know, lowest common denominator. And I watched her father on the stand on, on Friday. And I mean, it was, I couldn't take my eyes off it. It was desperately sad. He was having to talk about his calendar and where he lives and where he's traveled to. And he's gone to a film festival. And he—and I, I just felt so sad that, that again, a, you know, a, an old black man being subjected to questioning by a white council representing Donald Trump. I mean, it was just awful. And but this is the times that we seem to be living in, Greg. You know, it's it's like nothing has changed. Well, the other thing that happened
1: is yes. the uh, yeah. the hat trick. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Trump's a little bit he he he's, he's a little bit lighter in the wallet now, uh, as we yeah. you know yeah uh, three hundred and sixty four million dollars is a million dollars a day for a year less yeah. like Christmas or something. So uh, does he have that money? Did he owe Deutsche bank like three thirteen at one point like i how much debt does this guy have um and what will this do like a lot of trump's um cult the the power of the cult I think comes from this idea that he gets away with stuff all the time, but he faces no consequences, and one of the problems with the fact that we haven't tried him for j six or any of the other things is now he can turn around and say, well, if I did anything wrong, why is there no yeah. You know, why have I never been indicted? Whatever. Um, the Mogilevich defense, I call it, because you know, that's what Semyon did. Uh, now he has these these cases against him. And the fact that he's a self-made rich billionaire guy, who, you know, uh, has the gold toilet and the plane with his name on it and all this stuff. Uh, but now he's broke. You know, this is this does take a, uh, a you know, it, it, it knocks his power down. It's this one it's eighty three million more. I mean we're getting on half a bill we're approaching half a billion dollars yeah. that he's owed, and I don't know how he can wiggle out of.
0: Well, he's um, having to pay Rudy Giuliani's bills as well now you know there there are there are there's a lot of call upon him to to pay to pay his debts and other people's debts and but my concern is that it's always been the the little guy who's paying their last dime into Trump's campaign or to pay for his legal bills or whatever you know it's 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 the regular voters republican voters who don't have much who because they see him as this messiah character and you know dictator whatever you choose to call it but they will literally give them or give him their 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 last dollar
1: oh wait can you speak up i couldn't hear you over the sound of the violin i have zero sympathy for those people like zero Trump has caused real harm to people yeah. who are, let, and also not all of the Trump MAGA people are poor. There's a lot of people that, the people that did J6 were not poor. They were, they had money.
0: You know? Yeah, we so, we we saw, we saw a few of them, didn't we? There was that woman who was a realtor, I think, who made a video before she went in and, yeah. and then <laughs> and complained about about it afterwards. Mm-hmm. I understand that, but I do understand also that that he is a confidence trickster and he, yeah, he has, is. He has brainwashed an entire movement of people, and and we know from our experience of people who come out the other side of cults that they only wish because invariably they've lost all their money and they've lost mm-hmm. you know a decade of their life and their family and everything. They come out the other side thinking, "How did that happen to me?" You know. And we've seen that. I've, I've interviewed a few people like that. Yeah. Pam Hemphill, for example, who's one of them is trying to you know turn things around, but. So, but you know, maybe our view differs on that slightly. But my feeling is that Trump will continue to grift no matter what. Yeah, and 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 the more he needs, the more he will probably get.
1: Yeah, that I mean, you know, that could be. Well, we'll see. I just I don't have much sympathy for, for that. Um, yeah. yeah, I forgot what I was going to say.
0: Sorry. Well, <laughs> you you're not you're not you're not born MAGA, are you? I mean, this is the thing. You know, you're, you're it, it's a it's it's a, it's a process and i and i feel like this the confidence trick of taking the republican party traditional republican party and and shifting the entire thing into the trump camp you know beyond donald trump who's not going to be alive forever certainly not mm-hmm. on his diet i mean what, what what does that mean you know you as a, as an american you know how do you feel about the idea that these two parties one now aligned with russia aligned with the extremists aligned with violence and, you know, it was always the NRA, but there's, you know, so many more you know, ex- extreme aspects of this now. Far-right Christian nationalism, for example, mm-hmm. and, and, you know, the, the new Speaker of the House using the right. Bible as his, his guide, versus Democrats who haven't really moved from their position, you know, trying to represent a vast amount of people with differing views. They are surprisingly close-knit and, and haven't really wavered. Uh, you know, de- Democrats are uh, providing the alternative, which is business as usual, versus extremism. So what hope is there for the American political system, even after this election? Well, we'll see. I mean, one thing that can happen
1: now that Trump has lost his money is maybe that breaks the spell. There are two yeah. things that can break the spell. Three things. He, he dies. Yeah. He goes broke for real. And, you know, it really broke. He, he doesn't yeah. have the. He just that's it. He sell.
0: He has to sell the
1: plane. Yeah, um, he's just wandering around the omelet station at Mar-a-Lago <laughs> in his yeah. Walt. Walt. Nuda. Noda. Whatever goes away. Nada. Yeah. Uh, it's just him by himself. Uh, or he goes to jail. So I. What I really wanted when he was pushing in that case, I wanted the judge in the civil case to send him to jail for a day or something. Yeah. Because it would. First of all, it would have been really funny if he has all these criminal things and he winds up going to jail in the civil case. That would have been hysterical, but I right. think also, the minute that he's in jail, uh, that will break the spell. I think. Um, I hope that it is. I don't. I don't think Trump. He might think of himself as a Navalny-esque martyr, but I don't know that his his cult will feel that way. I think the the air of invincibility is what keeps him, you know, in line there. Mm. But getting back to what your your question about the the political parties. I mean, the real problem now. The U.S. government is designed, um, the architecture of the government is designed to have two parties. And they're designed to have two parties that have the same general overview, which is that we're committed to the country, we're committed to democracy, and we're going to work together and compromise to get to where we need to be. And if you look in the years leading up to the Civil War, you know, the Compromise of 1848, the Compromise of this, the Missouri Compromise, and these were people that were literally fighting each other in Congress uh still managed to come together and compromise for the good of the country. And of course, it didn't work and the Civil War happened. But the Civil War happened because some of the people decided that the union wasn't as important as their own racism. So, you know, that's neither here nor there. But since Newt Gingrich and certainly Mitch McConnell in the Senate, the Republican Party has stopped compromising. They are an obstructionist party. They offer nothing other than tax cuts. They, they just obstruct. That's all they do. And you cannot have a the government cannot function when one of the two political parties just doesn't do anything. It's like a seesaw where one guy's just not going to do it. You have to have two to for the thing to work. So I don't know how to repair that because the the way that the the Senate is chosen and Wyoming has two senators and California has two senators, which makes no sense at all. Um, I don't know how to repair that, Um, and I don't know if the Democrats are thinking strategically about it i remember as soon as biden got elected nina burley uh wrote a piece somewhere about how we need puerto rico and dc to be states like immediately with the idea that when we have four new senators on our side and tip the balance and you know just like expanding the court right we can't yeah. we have six reactionary weirdos on the court we that's it, it, it can't be that way um have 81 supreme court justices the more the better because it makes corrupting them harder, right? So, but you it's hard to do these things. It's it's hard to do these things. And it's good that it's hard to do these things because that's how the government works. That's how the, the, the process works. But, you know, the fact that you wanna do these things means that, you know, a dictator for like a week and a half could say, okay, we're gonna change the rules of the Senate and we're gonna, but that's not how it works. So the Republican party needs to die off and be replaced by something else, whatever Liz Cheney wants to do, you know, (laughs) she's the only person there that has the clout and the, the moral high ground to form a new conservative party. There is always, there's always going to be two parties in the United States. There's never going to be three. It's not designed that way. There's going to be a, a, you know, a left one and a right one. And right now the, the Republican party is neither. It's just an obstructionist thing that it's like a, you know, uh, c- cement that's hardened around one foot of the of the people. Yeah, and you can't run anywhere with that. It's just not. You know, every once in a while, they'll vote on something. I think to throw us off the scent. You know, Mitt Romney will say, "Ah, right," I, and everyone's like, "Oh, Mitt Romney's so great." No, he's not great either. He he. You know, I bless his heart for voting to impeach Trump the second time. Yeah, but you know.
0: He, he yeah he 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 never heard the end of that. But best of a best of a bad bunch. In other news, on on Friday it was announced that Joe Manchin is not going to run for president. That was a you know a, a rumor, and it was going to upset the apple cart somewhat. And uh, I think uh, no nobody was thrilled uh, at the announcement nor at the redaction of of, of that particular thing. F- finally, I would ask ask you, you know, America is often referred to as an experiment. Um. And you know the experiment is in danger of failing in, in this next few months, because it really is a choice between dictatorship and democracy, between fascism and, and freedom. And, and I try to remind people that a vote for the Democrats is not voting for Joe Biden, it's voting for business as usual. It's voting for normality, it's voting mm-hmm. for civility and morality and all of these things. And do you think that the, the experiment itself is in danger of imploding in in the coming months.
1: I like that term experiment, but I think at this point, in 2026, it's going to be the 250th anniversary of, uh, you know, 1776 of the yeah. country, of the birth of the country. So I think the rules are if you hit like quarter millennium, the experiment is fine. Okay. You know, <laughs> no, no state lasts forever. I mean, it just, historically, it just doesn't happen. Um, yeah. You know, people have good runs. Rome had a good run. Byzantine Empire had a great run, 700, 800 years. Uh, you know, British Empire was was pretty powerful for, you know, centuries, um, but stuff fades out. It just does. That's just what happens historically. So um, can we continue on? I hope so. It would be nice if we could. Um, you know, and maybe if something happened, if Trump were elected and they're, you know, they, they really clamped down on things, that process alone would be enough to trigger some sort of change that we could come back from it and fix the tweak the problems that we that are inherent in the way that the government is designed. Uh you know, kind of like um, you know, in Britain you had kings and then Oliver Cromwell was there for a little while and then you had kings again and it was fine, right? So, you know, maybe it would just be like a a little brief period, uh, but I don't want to take that chance. You know, I don't want to take the chance. So I think, you know, your idea of presenting this as a vote for business as usual is good. And people hate Biden. I don't understand it. He's yeah. People are like in my family. Oh, he's corrupt. What are you talking? Have you seen him? He, he takes the train to Delaware. He rides a bike. Like What What about him as a person screams corrupt? The other guy has a gilded toilet.
0: What are you talking about?
1: Yeah. Like he, I don't understand how people look at Biden and think, now there's a guy that has a lot of money scrolled. Like but that's why, yeah.
0: that's why I'm asking if the experiment is going to fail because it does seem, I mean, I know we tend not to look at the polls, but, you know, there was a CNN poll a week or so ago that put Trump ahead of Biden on, on, on the national stage. You know, it, it's, the, it's the sheer fact that Biden could lose because he's aging worse than Donald Trump, who's just three years younger, that the, the prejudice towards ageism is such that it will overpower anybody's fear of, of a dictatorship.
1: It's not ageism, Anthony. It's
0: racism. The age
1: thing is just a way to say, you guys don't want Kamala Harris to be president, do you? Right. You don't want a black woman to be president. I- I've heard you? this theory. That's yeah. that's all that it is. Um, you know, it, it, like you said, he's he is, what, three, four years older than Trump and in much better shape yes. mentally and physically. Yeah. Uh, His wife still likes him, which has got to count for something, Uh, you know, so I I don't I don't get it. I think Biden is the best president we've had in this country in my lifetime. He's the best one since LBJ, and he's rising on the in the ranks. And I think, you know, 50 years from now, if there's still historians and still books and, you know, the entire planet hasn't (laughs) plummeted, you know, people are going to look back and they're going to rank him very, very highly higher than Obama, higher than uh, Clinton, certainly you know, higher than re- any of these people. I mean, he, what he's done, the accomplishments in the face of COVID, and yes. pandemic, in the face of a rival party that wanted to take over the government and install a dictator, all of this stuff. And, you know, and in the world to try to you know, reassemble NATO. And right now in in Israel, he's the the, you know, it's hard to do diplomacy like that. And he's done as good a job as anybody can possibly do. So I don't get it. But, you know, I don't know. Uh, I hope that the American experiment doesn't fail. I I will say this. If Biden is alive and reasonably sentient on November 8th, he is going to win and he's going to win easily because pundits on these shows and the people that write the op eds get bored of the same topic. But Dobbs is not going away. People have not forgotten about jobs. Women in this country have not forgotten about that. And they're not going to forget about it. And Trump is announcing that he made it happen. You know, that that is going to, whether they talk about it or not, that is going to animate the elections. And if you look at all these little elections that have happened, Kansas, you know, these places that are traditional red strongholds, you see it, so I, I just I don't believe the polls are always wrong, and especially it's like February. I don't, who yeah. can, you know, lots of stuff can happen between now and then on either side. So uh, I am very confident uh, that he's going to win, assuming he's okay. So put him in bubble wrap. That's it. <laughs> he needs to be in a room like you're in, you know, protected. Yes, from all some sides.
0: kind of cryogenic <laughs> space. I understand. Yeah. Okay, we ha- we have to finish, but Greg Oliar, thank you for joining the weekend show. Oh, thanks so much
1: for having me.
0: This was great. I'm Anthony Davis. Don't forget to support me and independent journalism at patreon.com slash five minute news. Download the five minute news podcast and all of the videos that I make throughout the week. And join me next week with a brand new special guest and more factual news stories to discuss on the five minute news weekend show with Midas Touch.